I've quipped that I think understanding the different kinds of AI models is going to be key for IT services providers to understand in order to be relevant. Do you know about data-driven generative AI? Steve Wasik joins me to explain that and learn a little bit more on this bonus episode of The Business of Tech. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Steve, thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Dave. So I've been exploring all of the various uses that we might apply generative AI to. And, and when I was looking, you've got one area that, that kind of I wanted to understand a little bit more why it was an obvious use case. You've started one of the areas you're working on is is generated sports articles in real time. Help me understand why that's a really good use case. Well, I think in general, generative AI works better with scale. Right. So anytime, if you're just doing a quarterly report or something like that, it's very unlikely that you're going to reach out for generative AI to help you out because it's just such a small use case. Right. Well, with sports, sure, like covering the Super Bowl is not necessarily something that you'd need generative AI for. But what about, you know, a Tuesday night game between two, you know, ACC basketball teams? You know, like it, maybe that's not of interest enough for a, an organization such as CBS Sports, which, which we work with, to assign a reporter just to cover that game. And that's just for one type of content, right? You might have a recap, but what about previewing the game? What about looking at it from a gambling perspective? What about looking at it from a fantasy perspective, right? There's lots of different angles that you could look at an individual game uh, at. And so that just multiplies the amount of content that you have to produce. So scale is is the big reason I think that sports is is very amenable to uh generative ai the other thing that's that's helpful is timeliness right so you're trying to get your reports out you know as soon as possible and as the data is the data comes in right you want to be the first to publish um if the the betting lines are changing you want to be able to change your article to reflect that like all these things that that change that's another reason why you might need to produce new content and again that's just adding to the scale factor and so you um having something that's automated that's not relying on an individual having to recraft the story uh, becomes much more valuable. Now, one of the things that, you know, obviously the headlines we keep hearing about is, is the idea that AI hallucinates mm -hmm. and that it gets things wrong. But when I talk to those working in the space, while they acknowledge that, they actually are giving me some sort of indication that summarization is one of those tools that it's quite good at, and that happens a lot less. Give me a little bit of insight as somebody who's doing it at scale, how you're balancing the you know, that hallucination risk with accuracy and speed. 
So we balance it by not using the same technology that current LLMs are using. So like ChatGPT, all that, they use what's called like a large language model, which just to give a quick oversight, you know, is sort of a probabilistic method, right? And so that's why you get these hallucinations, because there's not necessarily a straight line that you could draw as the engineer to say, oh, here's exactly how it got its answer. And if it's if it's going wrong, here's how we correct it. That's not really possible with LLMs. What we use is is a technology which call which we call conceptual automata, which I won't go into like the super details about, but it's it's basically breaking down the stories into their smallest subcomponents and then allowing the system to build them back up uh, using all these individual subcomponents. And because of that, we can debug it to know exactly how it's it wrote like anything that gets written up by our system we can trace exactly what happened and if there's a problem with it then we can fix it and so that's really helpful for our clients because we never have to worry about the hallucinations and you know when you're talking about summary that's great um and i, I believe you're you're accurate that that's something where it's much less likely to hallucinate but when it comes to sports or financial data or the other things that we do, uh, you can't really summarize it because it, the the idea is to build this thing up from scratch, right? Like this information just came in, right? And so you have to build the initial report on that topic. Um, it's not about summarizing what everybody else wrote. And so that, you know, if you were to use an LLM for, for writing about sports or finance or these other things, um, there's there's several problems that would happen, but definitely the hallucination thing I think would come into play more because it is a brand new piece of content that you're writing about. Okay, this is really useful insight because one of the things that I've talked about a lot on the show is is that I think the IT services organizations need to become experts in understanding the different kinds of models and how they apply so that so that even if they're not building in it, they can advise their customers yeah. on which products are relevant. So that understanding that is super important. How do you convey that as part of the the process to customers that are talking to you? You know, is that part of your marketing material? Is that something that you talk about in consulting? How do how do you help them understand that? Yeah, I, I think it's just a process because, like you said, it, it's pretty new to everybody and people are trying to understand all the different models and, and the different use cases. And so, you know, we what we call our our technology is data generative AI as opposed to, to most generative AI, which sort of starts with text and ends with text. We start with data and then end with text and, and also charts, visualizations. We could do a lot of different things, but it's definitely a different methodology and something that we need to uh, just kind of on a case by case basis uh, talk to, to people about because um, for whatever reason, what we're doing is not super well known. Uh, there's just not a lot of people in the same space, uh, whereas the chat GPT stuff, of course, you know, it's wildly, yeah, everybody is doing it. You know, there's a million companies trying to take advantage of it or do their own version of it. Whereas the idea of starting with data is still somewhat unknown. So it is just kind of something where we have to walk people through the the advantages there's some disadvantages too but i think that the advantages are pretty clear if you have a really big data set that needs analysis and synthesis okay now talk me through the process of kind of integrating this automated content into a company's workflow because you know it feels like this is an area that could be super error prone uh and and mistakes could be really devastating yes. if you do it wrong kind of walk me through that process yeah, what we do is is it's basically a three part process. So the first part is ingesting the data, right? Which is tends to be complicated, right? Because people have a lot of different data silos. Now that's fine in terms of 
our system can really easily pull down, you know, information from a bunch of different places, but we still have to know, you know, sort of where to point that. What's the what's the structure of the data? Are is there any missing data? Things like that, you know, bad data, you know, all the types of basic things you'd have to do for a data analysis in terms of cleaning things up. We have to to do that as well. So that's sort of the first step. The second step is we model and generate content, right? That's like the main thing that we do, right? Is is put this data into a conceptual hierarchy and understand, you know, how, what do you want the output to look like? Do you want it to be a paragraph, five paragraphs? You know, what do you what do you what are the most important things, you know, to the people who are reading this? Like, what is do you have any jargon or any sort of like tone? All these different things with the writing itself. Um, do you want visualizations? All these different things are, are are sort of the main thing that we do. And then the last thing is, where do you want this to be distributed? Right? Is this internal? Do you want this to be a website? The, the, one of the great things about automated content is that it's pretty easy to set up into different formats. Right? The hard part is actually creating the content itself. And then once you have that, it's usually pretty easy to say like, oh, okay, this is going to be part of an RSS, or this is going to be emailed, or this is going to be, you know, put into a, a box in your system for you to work with, or this is going to be a website, whatever it is, you know, it's like that part is actually pretty easy. And and can be all those things, right? Like, it's not like you, you have to choose one, right? That's, again, another great part of automated content. It's very easy to segment it. Once you've built it to say like, oh, here is the RSS and here's the email version and here's the website version, right? It's like the system once it's set up can very easily scale to 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 a lot of different distribution. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Now, one of the things that we've seen, particularly when we see broadly kind of the generative AI space, which I'm going to acknowledge, you're, you're focused on a subsection yeah. and, and you're much more specialized. But let's. But one of the big things that we see in a lot of the content that's out there is is that oftentimes it's slightly awkwardly mm-hmm. written, kind of tell. And by the way, I expect this is going to get better and better over time. But but one of the things that we're having is is that it is kind of awkward or difficult. And one of the pieces that we're generally recommending is that people, humans get involved, but it feels at this scale, that's not how that works. You know, how are you addressing kind of the thinking on making it seem, making it readable, making it make sense, making it seem natural when at the same time pushing for that level of scale? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and, again, it kind of goes back to this idea of, of traceability where everything that we write you know, we can see exactly how it created that information. And so if something doesn't read right, we can typically fix it, right? Or, or the other thing I think that happens with LLM stuff is it, it tends to just come across as really generic, right? Um, it, like it just, it, it doesn't really, yeah. doesn't have a lot of pop. I mean, we, we, we do finance stuff, we do medical stuff. Maybe you don't care as much about having like that impact about when you're doing a quarterly report, although it still matters there, I think too, but it definitely matters in something like sports, right? Where people are, and it certainly matters, I think, um, if you're uh, doing a, a regular report, right? Like this is something we, we do in finance where it's like, okay, here's the corn report, like which we, we do for the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, but it's like, it's, a, it's an email series. So like the person reading that also read the report yesterday and the day before and the day before that. So you really got to, you know, take that into account as well, 
right? So there's a lot of factors in, in really making language sing, right? And make it actually interesting. And we can put those into, into our system. And I think that that's a big differentiator between other uh, uh, companies in the data generative AI space, which take which I, what I call more like a Mad Libs approach, which is um, you know different than the LLM problem. It, in this case, it's more just like it's always the same stuff, right? And and that doesn't really appeal to people because the problem is you know usually the things that are most interesting are the unique aspects of the data. Well, if you're building a template. You got to build for the things that happen all the time. So it's basically you're building something that's always going to talk about the most boring aspects of the data, right? If you're using a templated approach. So that's another way that, um, that generative AI can sort of have leave a reader with the impact that you're talking about, which is just kind of like, eh, this doesn't quite doesn't quite work right and so um we think that our technology is able to sort of navigate both of those issues where you have the llm stuff kind of creating this sort of weird generic content you have the templated stuff on the other end that's just like the same thing every time and then you know we think we can kind of uh have the best of both worlds so give me a sense of areas that that are bad uses of, of this kind of kind of technology. And I, I find that because, because anybody, I'm, I quip all the time, if anybody says it does everything, oftentimes it doesn't do anything well, right? No. And so it's better to find those really good use yes. cases that it's really good at, but to counter that, we want to know the ones that it's not good at so that we can exclude. What, what are you finding are the ones that are just not good matches? That's a great question. And, and um, for our particular technology, the key things that we need are, are scale, I think. Is, is, and that's one of the things that, um, well, I'll, I'll say two things, scale and complexity of output. The scale part is pretty easy, right? Like, if you again, if you have a quarterly report, it doesn't make sense for us to go through, ingest your data, model it, and do all this stuff just to produce four reports every year, right? Because the, the money, you're not going to be able to pay us what it costs us to, to set up to do that. So you need a lot of scale. Uh, the complexity piece is a little bit more complicated. And that is about, do you really need synthesis, right? Or do you just need some key numbers, right? Because you might have a huge set of data, right? But if you can distill what you need to know down to like a few key metrics, then you can just do that. And you can have like a pivot table or use Tableau or something like that, right? To just say, oh, here's the key metrics and that's all I need to know. But the problem comes when you need to, when you have lots of things that are going on and you really need to figure out like what's the most important thing that's happening and also what's the context of that, right? Is this number on, on a, is it trending up or down? Is it, uh, you know, this, this, uh, region, you know, was down 5% this month, but were all the regions overall down 8%, right? So it actually was doing better, right? Like all these little things that a human analyst, if they were looking at your data, would surface and put into a report. Those are the types of things that we could do. But again, you need to have almost, again, like too much information, right? Where, where you need to have, have it distilled down. And that doesn't cover all the situations, right? So, so and, and especially with, uh, with, when you add the scale aspect too, right? So you need this to be, you know, maybe happening every week or every day or something, right? Where you have enough changes um, going on that it, it provides the scale and the need for this this synthesis so that's kind of it is a subset for sure of the data analysis market and we definitely cannot it doesn't make sense to use our technology for a lot of uh, data analysis tasks 
Gotcha. So uh, kind of a, a sort of fun last thought on this. Can, can this scale? I mean, if you're working with somebody like CBS Sports, can this scale to the level of like could CBS Sports get in the business of, you know, covering high school games of, of getting into like, can, can you expand? Because, you know, if we think about the the decline of the local paper, right, and, and you could see that this might be a way of providing that information out. Does that kind of modeling make sense? Uh, yeah, the answer is is yes, and in fact, uh, I mean, we we've worked with Max Preps in the past. It's the largest high school sports uh, organ uh, website in the country, and so if anybody from Max Preps is is listening to this, like, let's get it going. Come on, guys! Like, we, we're actually like right, literally in the middle of of uh, of talking with them, trying to get back uh, to to working with them because we kind of got shut down during COVID, and and um, but uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the scale. I mean. We do fantasy sports just as an example for CBS, and the scale there is even much bigger than than uh, high school sports for for fantasy sports, and we're producing literally millions of unique pieces of content every single week. So the scale side of things, uh, you know, the bad news is you need it. The good news is it's almost limitless in terms of like, hey, I want to. If you're an organization, you say, you know, we're sending out this sort of form letter to all of our customers or potential customers. Would it be better if we could send them something that's completely unique to them, right? And speaking to their data and their concerns, that's where this system can come into play. And yeah, it doesn't matter if you have a million customers or potential customers and you want something unique for every single one of them, then that's completely feasible. And that's the type of stuff that this this technology opens up. Well, that's that's a great place to end on. See, this has been super fascinating. Thanks for joining me. Hey, man. Dave, thanks so much for having me. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The Business of Tech is written and produced by me, Dave Sobel, under ethics guidelines posted at businessof.tech. Like the content? Support the show at patreon.com slash mspradio or buy our Why Do We Care merch at businessof.tech. If you want to reach our listeners, visit mspradio.com slash engage. Part of the MSP Radio Network.